The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to episode 56 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. I'm a big believer that we meet who we are supposed to meet in the time we're meant to meet them. And I think that is so true of my guest today. I met Sherry Wagliardo when she was still in the recovery phase following surgery, working away as a VP of sales for S3 Staffing, who serves the new home building market, and absolutely champing at the bit to get back to working out to maintain her sanity. She lives in Sterling, Virginia, with her hubby, two sons, and their dog, Haley. And it was a year ago that we met, And it's no accident that fate intervened not once, not twice, but three times to push us to reschedule our chat more than a year after that first meeting. I'm looking forward to her sharing her story today. Let's dive in. Welcome, Sherry. I'm so happy to have you here today. It's been it's been a kind of a crazy ride getting this scheduled. I think that we've had like three different reschedules over the course of the pan. Like it was pre-pandemic and then it was we were going to do it in office like during the pandemic when that had just started. We were like, "Oh, maybe that's not a good idea." And <laughs> and now here we are almost more than a whole year later. So I'm so, so excited to have you here today to share your story. So welcome. Thank you. Third time's a charm, right? Right. (laughs) Absolutely. So, okay. Well, here's my story. I was at a brewery with my husband for his 45th birthday and I stretched. And when I did, I had a scratch and I'm like, there's something there. So I took one of my best friends to the bathroom and I'm like, hey, there's something here. And she's like, Sherry, we're in the bathroom. I'm like, I don't care. And she's like, oh my gosh, no, that's something. What do you, it feels like SpongeBob SquarePants. So I asked my husband, he had said the same thing. So obviously we're away for the weekend. We do what we need to. I call my, um, my gynecologist on Monday and I'm like, hey, there's something going on. And she's like, Sherry, I'm sure you're fine. You were just here two months ago. I would have seen it, but you're scheduled for a mammogram. Did you set it up? And I was like, no, because my one year is next month. And she's like, well, go ahead and get it scheduled sooner. So I did. Obviously, when I went in for my mammogram, yes, there were actually two things that they could see at the time. Um, So onto the sonogram and immediately into a biopsy. This is all taking place in November. I had my biopsy, got the call on December 6th that it was definitely a tumor, that it was definitely cancer, and I would need to go on for further testing. Um, So I did. And in the process of my testing, I discovered another, we'll just call it a lump, because I didn't know what they were at the time, um, on the under part of my breast and uh, mentioned it to them. And when they did my MRI, yes, sure enough, I had grown three tumors in a matter of probably about a year span. Um, I was diagnosed uh, going in with uh, ductal carcinoma. Um, once they did the surgery and did the mastectomy and got everything out, it actually was lubral, no, global, no, what is lobular. it? Lobular. Lobular. I don't know why I can't say it. Lobular carcinoma. 
And so um, thankfully they had thought I got went in with stage two. I actually managed to only be at 1.8 for my largest tumor. So I was a stage one and my, now I need to think, Onco score came back at a seven. So which meant I didn't need radiation and I didn't need um, direct chemo. I take tamoxifen now and it's been going great. I was cancer free at exactly December 30th of this year. So diagnosed on the 6th of December, surgery on December 30th. I've been taking tamoxifen for about a year now. And as long as I exercise, my joints don't hurt. I can tell you when I haven't exercised because I pay for it dearly. Um, but other than that, you know, things have been going great. I can't complain. How about that? So question, because you had surgery, but could you share what kind of surgery you had? Yes, I had um, a mastectomy. So removal of everything with uh, 15 lymph nodes removed from my left arm. Thankfully, nothing in the lymph nodes, just that's what they pulled. Wow, that's a lot. I know. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh. So it was an interesting story that you had shared with me about the decision to have to do one side because you did one side. Um, I did only do one side. Um, I had gone through the genetic testing. I didn't have any genetics. I am. I was ER and PR positive, so they were pretty sure mine was all hormonal based. Um, and so, you know, I asked my doctor if she thought I needed to do both sides and her answer to me was no. And you might as well, as long as we can get you with a good plastic surgeon who can match you up, then that's what you should do. So you still have your feeling and stuff on your right side. And I will tell you my plastic surgeon pretty much nailed it. So I'm extremely happy with both sides at this point. Yeah. I remember one of the other things you had shared with me as well was that um, one of the key questions that your doctor had asked you before making that recommendation was about your, the stability of your weight. Right. So my, my, well, she actually asked me two questions before that was the stability of my weight and what I do for a living. So because I work with the builders and I end up obviously not in COVID, but typically I'm in ball gowns at least three to four times a year. She did not want to disrupt any of my confidence level or the way I am. And my weight for the most part holds within five pounds has since I was in high school. Um, so that was her other decision because she wasn't worried about fluctuation. They could make it set um, and match them without me gaining 15, 20 or dropping 15, 20. So I pretty much have held within five pounds um, since I was probably 18 years old, thankfully. But once again, I, tend to work out a lot. So it's probably part of it. And I will say I had to put a, a strapless gown on the other night. And thankfully, I was not worried about it, which was amazing. So yeah, so it's, it's really interesting with that choice to do one side or the other. That was actually one of the I have clients that have done both. Right. And one that has gained and lost weight. Um, and what happens when you have an implant and then you gain or lose weight, like one side gets bigger and the other side stays the, other the same. Side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or the same thing if you lose weight. That. Yeah. And that's yeah. what she said. She's like, if you flex a lot, this is not going to work for you. 
So yeah. I lucked out with, with that. So I remember that being a, a, a key component to, to the, to that choice. It's- and I am happy with my decision. I will say at the one year when I had to go get a mammogram and I was holding my breath, waiting to see if there was anything going on, that was a little nerve wracking. And I'm like, you know, if I had just gotten rid of both, maybe I wouldn't, but the benefits for me outweigh the negative of, you know, hold your breath, get the results and move on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is actually a reason. That's another good point because the scan anxiety is is real. I think it's right. definitely something that for all kinds of scans, I mean, I I did both and I had to go in for an MRI last June just to check everything because they do yeah, that. Yeah, I go for my MRI this summer. Which is great. I mean, I, I would rather like, I'm usually pretty zen about my scans and the radiologist actually freaked me out for my last scan where I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like I was completely fine. Even coming in here in the middle of coat, like kind of the height of COVID, I was completely fine. And now you're sitting me over the edge. Yeah. I was like, forgot about me. The doctor said she's good, but then they forgot to come in. Tell me. So I was sitting there for like 15 minutes and I finally came out with tears in my eyes. I'm like, is there something wrong? And they were like, oh no, you're clear. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I, so I, I told him at the front desk, I'm like, you can't do that. Like, especially somebody who's had cancer. And my husband said, are you good? I'm like, oh, I got this. It's not a big deal. But then when they forgot about me, it was a huge deal. <laughs> like, right? Do this again. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy too, because there are it's it's those details it's those things like after my mri the radiologist called me like i wasn't home 20 minutes and he called oh. to ask me why i had been there oh not that he had read my test and there was something wrong <laughs> but he asked me why i had had the test to begin with and oh i was God. like have you read the test? And he said, no. And I said, why are you calling me? And he said, yeah, well, I want to know why I want to know why you were here. I said, because my plastic surgeon sent me. Call her yeah. if you have it, a problem. Yeah. Only call me if there's a reason I need to be here. Yeah. And then he was like, well, I mean, I want to know what issues you're having. And I was like, why can you not read the test without me telling you? Like, I don't think no. they get it. Yeah, no, I don't think they get it. Well, and then he said, well, we'll call your doctor with the results. So then I had to wait a week after oh. having this craziness. I had to wait. And like my plastic surgeon walks in thinking they've called me and told me there's nothing wrong. And <laughs> she comes in and I'm like, what's going on with my MRI? And she was like, nothing. Your MRI was fine. Did they not call you? And I was like, oh, he called me, but not with the results. For my results. And she was like, what? Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, my, my, my surgeon was probably the best. She's like, just ignore everybody. Go home and do whatever you need to do. Put on your superhero thing and just trudge through this and just ignore any of the dumb questions or the looks you're going to get best advice she could have ever given me. <laughs> that is for that is for real. 
And I like that your doctor gave you some guidance because I think that that's also something I've seen a lot of. There are several groups that are doing research on the decision-making process that survivors go through, especially no, breast cancer survivors. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got diagnosed on the 6th and by the 30th, I was in surgery. It's like, how do you make a decision that quickly? So, yeah, you know, I was, you know, the day I went to see my surgeon, Dr. Evanson, she was like, she came in, she's like, we've got this under control. It's going to be a bumpy ride. We'll be fine. So then we sat down. She's like, look, I'm going to give you some options. I'm going to tell you what I would do if I were you. And you're going to go home. You're going to cry. You're maybe going to go for a run and then you're going to put on your superhero cake and we're just going to get through this. It was the best thing somebody could say to me at that particular moment in time. Yeah, so I did. And I'm fine. <laughs> That's amazing. And I like that she shared what she would do if it were her. Yeah. Because that is not always common. Right. Exactly. And one of the reasons for the research is they're trying to figure out what the right level of input is. Right. Exactly. Well, especially when you debate, like, do you take both or do you just take one? Do you take the one with the cancer and let the, you know, and it's, you just, and you're still trying to grapple. I'll be honest. I did not actually have my mental breakdown cry boohoo day until February. Yeah. That's when it finally hit me. I looked at my husband and went, oh my God, I had cancer and I lost it. And he's like, yeah, had your, you. but it's when it finally, you know, I slowed down enough for it to whack me. <laughs> so. I, I think that's another really good point though, because there's different, everybody comes to this from a different perspective, right? When yeah. you are a type A, do the thing, project manage right. the thing. Oh, I have a thing. I have to deal right. with the thing. I just thing. gotta get done. Yep. <laughs> Especially when the doctor. Who can always, and I can always put a spin of positivity. I mean, that is one of those things I'm so blessed with. So I, I said to my husband after this was all done, I'm like, okay, go ahead and tell me how have I changed? Because you do not go through cancer without changing. And he goes, you're not going to believe me. You can ask others. He's like, somehow you came through it more positive. I'm not really sure how, but you did. So I just, I luck out. I have that personality and, and I did a lot of hard running through it. <laughs> I remember the day I got diagnosed, my mom called me in the afternoon because my, you know, we told her and she kind of hung up the phone because you could tell she didn't, it was taking a minute and she called back and I was on like six mile six. And I answered the phone, hello. And she's like, ah, you're dying. I'm not dying. <laughs> like, I'm trying to run away from it, mom. I'll call you back. But I did. I think I did a 10 mile run that day and just like, you know, had my moment, but it is what it is. And, you know, if you think and look at the end, you'll get through it. It's just a matter of doing what you need to do and what's right for you. Absolutely. And it's so individual <clears throat> for each person. It really is. I had somebody call me two weeks ago who's just starting and she's like, so what did you do? And I told her and she's like, so is that what I should do? I can't answer that. Yeah. You know, if you think you're always going to worry, 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be the girl that says I don't worry. If I find a lump on my other side, I'm like, oh my God, what's this? You know, I'm immediately, but you know, I kind of feel like I did what I needed to do. And if God forbid it happens on the other side, then I'll deal with it. I also have a very strong faith base. So that's really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and every, every diagnosis is different as well. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to breast cancer. Like I, so many people will say, oh, I know someone that had breast cancer and it usually didn't end well. And then if I asked, like when I was going through my diagnosis, it was like, I could always tell from the look on, on their face. They gave me the death look and you're like, please don't give me the death look. I'm not dying. I got too much to do. This isn't it. Right. Yeah. At the time I was diagnosed, my grandmother had just turned a hundred and I was 43. And my doctor was like, my oncologist was like, we have a lot, you have a lot more life to live. Like we're all about doing the things because you have a lot more life to live. I was like, yep. 57 years worth. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. I think when you're in your forties, like we were, I mean, I got to tell you, the one thing I'm so tired of hearing is, oh, you were such a baby when you got it. But I know so many women who get in their 40s. I'm like, stop calling me a baby because I'm really not. There's more of us than most people realize. Well, and so when you look at the state of how we get medical data, right? Right. It's a decade behind. It is. It's a decade behind. Like you mentioned being on tamoxifen. In 10 years. Someone that's stage one with no lymph node involvement is probably not getting it. (laughs) They may even say people in this, like they're doing studies right now on people with DCIS that right now they just, they'll say, oh, we'd like you to take it. We won't make you take it, but we'd like you to take it. And more people are declining. Right. And the only bad news I've heard in all of mine is because of the type I had that I can plan on seeing my doctors for a long time because it's just from what I got. Yeah. And she did say to me, she's like, because of the type you have, my oncologist, like, I really want you on tamoxifen. I'm like, okay. I mean, and I've, I, I know there's lots of people that have bad, I luck out. I don't really have the major side effects from it. So yeah, I don't well, as long as I work out. Right. Talk to me in a week. I haven't worked out and ask me how I'm feeling. (laughs) Which is definitely the advice that I give to every single person that says I have muscle and joint pain. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. have you met your walking shoes? Yeah. Go outside and go for a walk. It just gets worse is what I discovered. And, and my oncologist has said that she looked at me and said, I assume you work out. I'm like, I do. And she's like, good. Don't stop. She's like, this is not the time to take the break. No, for so sure. I was the girl bugging the plastic surgeon. Can I get back to working now? And the plastic surgeon's like, Sherry, can we heal first? <laughs> I was like, but, but, but I need it. And he was like, you can go for a walk. Thank you. <laughs> well, on that note, we are going to take a break. And when we get back, okay. Sherry and I are going to continue this conversation. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I hope you're enjoying Unspoken Cancer Truths help people to get moving again and sometimes you just need to switch up the approach or find a new challenge 
especially when thinking about starting back after treatment or an illness. One of my goals is to help you flip the idea of exercise as something that's hard, awful, or daunting, and make it something fun, maybe even a little social. Safely, of course. The important thing is that you wanna get started and you're happy to show up for yourself and then you wanna stay in the game because it feels good to move and you had fun doing it. Ready to reimagine exercise? You can email me at jennifer at fitnessdesignsolutions.com or schedule a coffee chat with me through the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Sherry and we are talking about her breast cancer experience. And we were talking during our break about uh, lymphedema. Sherry had mentioned that she had 15 lymph nodes removed. And I think it's so important to talk about how your doctor handled that before your surgery. You had mentioned that your doctor sent you to PT before surgery so that you could get measured and get exercises for post-surgery. So I would love for you to share about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, I lucked out. I was blessed with the doctor, the team I had. They sent me up to uh, Nova Fair Oaks Hospital to the PT unit there. Uh, they did measurements on both sides before, um, probably about a week out prior to surgery. Um, and she gave me, I think it was four or five pages of exercises and exactly when to start the exercises. We also went through them all so that she knew I knew exactly how to do each. So I wasn't, as she goes, said cheating. <laughs> so she made sure that I understood she meant completely on my back and bringing the arm up to the side. So um, went through all that. And then, so they had kind of a starting point for me. Um, my exercises started two days after I was home, uh, which no, it hurt. I'm not going to lie. I think I was testing my doctor for all they were worth at that moment. <laughs> but I knew that's what I needed to do. And I will say my surgeon has sent me for a measurement every time I've gone in. So I go once every six months because I'm just a year out. And each time it's, okay, you're done here. Run up to the PT department. I want measurements. I want to see if there's any change like we were talking about. When you've got small arms like I do, it doesn't take much for a significant change. So, you know, I have full movement of my arm and it's because the doctor sent me to PT and said, you need to do these exercises if you want to get your arm movement back. So uh, without them directing me on that, I don't know that it would have happened. Well, and I think it's so important too that everyone everyone who has these surgeries has the ability to get back to that place, to get back to full mobility. And the key really is just knowing what to do, but then doing it, right? Like that's the hardest part for people that go to PT, right? They do the exercises when they're at PT and then they come in and you're like, so how, how are the exercise? How'd the homework go? Oh, and everybody has the same look like, they want to hide like, oh, at homework? Yeah, don't, don't ask. <laughs> yeah, I gave homework up in high school. Yeah. I actually found it better to be at home doing it because then I could let some, you know, words go and nobody heard me. Say it. 
Well, and I love that it was a topic of conversation for you because I was not, I knew beforehand being a massage therapist, having worked with survivors, like I was familiar with axillary recording. I was familiar with lymphedema. Um, I knew what I needed to do to get moving. And so my doctors basically said, this is where we want to see you seven days out from surgery. Um, and it was basically standing next to a wall with my hand over my head flat against the wall. And every night my husband would come home from work and he'd say, how are the wall walks going? And I'd have to demonstrate my wall walks and the difference between my ability to do walk my hand up a wall and my ability to lift my arm on its own. And I had both done so arms, right. Um, there was always a difference right in those early days, but I started right away, like on the board in my hospital room, it said exercise restrictions, none. Yeah, I w- well, I wasn't, I, so I don't know if I ever told you this. I went in at 645 and was sent home at 245. I did not stay in the hospital. Uh, well, flu season was going hard and she just, she was like, it's not worth it. We're going to send you home. I have faith you're going to do this. And my husband was the one that was like, okay, today starts your exercise. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's however mad I was at the moment. It was a blessing because, you know, I, I did it seven days. I had my arm completely up that up the wall. Was it tight? Was it sore? Absolutely. But if you don't get it moving, you're not getting it back. Absolutely. And I, I feel like the pain gets even worse. I had had a car accident where I had injured my knee and it wasn't structural damage. It was like I had a puncture and then my muscles around the knee didn't work for two weeks. Yikes. And the, it was a six month recovery. Wow. And I knew that going in, like going into this surgery, I was like, I'm going to get moving as soon as I can, because the textbooks might say muscle atrophy starts at six months, but I know muscle atrophy is over at six months. Like you're done. I was going to (laughs) say, I felt like on day two, it was already kicking in. It was like, oh my God. I was like, it is not six months. I was like, oh, okay. Yes. That was the mastectomy was nothing compared to surgery. (laughs) Like I can handle the mastectomy. Don't take my lymph nodes. Yeah, my the nurse, we met with a nurse the night before my surgery. And that was the biggest like golden nugget that she told me that the lymph node location, she was like, that is going to be the most painful spot. That's what I was pre warned as well. And they were like, it's going to hurt the most to get it moving afterwards, but you just got to fight through it and do it. So yeah, yeah. Well, and you don't think it because you're thinking I'm losing the entire breast. That's going to be so much more painful, blah, blah, blah. It's not. No. Anyone who hasn't done this yet, it's not. For sure. And it's not straight muscle either. Right. So it's also interesting, kind of lymphedema adjacent is axillary cording. And I remember a year ago when you and I had talked, you still had some tightness. I mean, you were just a couple months out from from your surgery. And we were talking about like what cords feel like and what cords look like. And and the difference, right? Like there's cording can feel tight. It feels restrictive, but the thing to 
break up the courting. It does. It's not bad to break up the courting. We want to break up right. the courting. So then when courting is your issue that's causing your restriction, we want to push the movement just a little bit further. And But there's fear. Well, there is. And I wouldn't dare do anything. I met you and I think I called you and said, because I, because I didn't have to go through like chemo, I wasn't in with an oncologist. Like I wasn't seeing my, I had already got my tamoxifen, I think when we had spoke. So I was set for six months out. And sometimes I think that's harder because you have, who are you talking to? I mean, you're not seeing a doctor on a daily basis. You're just taking this tamoxifen and, you know, life is on. So I, I remember calling you and I'm like, I can feel it. I, it's tight. And I don't want to, I don't want to mess anything up. <laughs> you know. And so I, I do remember and it's a blessing I discovered you because it's, you know, you were, you helped me push through without being fear of doing other damage or doing something I shouldn't do. So. Yeah. And it's, it's important to know, to know the difference. Cause you know, we never know. You want to have someone take a look at it, but right. yeah. <laughs> was, it, and I think that was my thing to you. I'm like, well, I don't want to assume that this is what it is. So I'm pretty sure it is because what if it's not? And I do some damage along, along the way. So, well, and we were talking about, and it's so true. Like when we are small in our upper body, it tends to be that more lymph nodes end up getting taken than they expect. Because when we're small in our upper body, our lymph nodes are super small, right? Because right. they're not doing the work for a lot of, a lot of fluid. Um, I had nine taken out. You had right. 15 taken out. So kudos, so, so much credit to your doctors for sending you before. Because right now, right. we think that the number of breast cancer survivors who've had one or more lymph nodes removed is 21 to 50% of people that have had one or more removed in the first five years are diagnosed with lymphedema. And that number's so huge because so many people don't get sent to PT and don't have measurements. And oftentimes it's so far down the path that we don't realize in a battle you don't want to fight. Yeah, we don't realize that heaviness, the arm feeling heavy is a sign of lymphedema. You had mentioned, um, and I have this as well, um, torso fluid, Mm -hmm. like getting some fluid in your torso where like, I'll feel it like through my side and in my ribs at night, um, on a day that I haven't moved as much. Yeah. If I don't get some exercise in, I'm definitely going to have, and it's like the first couple of times I was like, you know, cause I'm tiny, so I'm going to feel it really fast. And I'm like, right. What is this? And then I started putting it to, okay, I didn't work out. You know, if I take one day off, it's fine. But like, if I take Saturday and Sunday, Sunday night, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, it does not take much for it to quickly build up. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And, and doctors aren't as well versed in that. It doesn't always, it doesn't always click what it is. Um, So, right kudos to your doctor and for the, for continuing to follow you. Um, cause there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of, um, conflicting information. I, I don't want to call it misinformation, but there's a lot of conflicting information right now. Like, 
oh, you're five years out. It's fine for you to have a blood draw from that arm or to do a blood pressure check. But really, or yeah, mine has told me never. Mine and said I it all stays on the right. Yes. And I a hundred percent support that. And I've heard, like I've been in hospitals where, cause I'm a tough stick on the right. I have beautiful veins on the left. Left is off the table. <laughs> and when they're yeah, having exactly. trouble. Well, and I, you know, even, well, even I, so my oncologist knew I was getting vaccinated. So she let the, my surgeon know my surgeons just sent a quick note one night and she's like, I'm not sure when you're getting vaccinated, but I want it on the right side. Do not touch your left. So, yeah. I mean, even, you know, I just feel like they're on top of it and, you know, which is huge, especially when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> right. And Some of us aren't in this industry, so we don't have a clue. Right. And the information is so like, I was reading an article. It was a, it was a literature review on lymphedema. So it was basically doctors that were reading the research that had been done thus far on lymphedema. And they reviewed 253, somewhere in that ballpark of articles. They included 25 in their review. And of those 25, they threw out four more because of bias. So they only had 20 articles out of like 253 or 63 total articles that actually followed a scientific standard of research. There's just not enough research out there. There's not. And And if you're in the industry or anything and you just get diagnosed, you're so overwhelmed with everything else. Yes. I would say if it wasn't for my team at Char, I would not have gotten through this the way I did. They were just really good at being on top of everything and understanding that I didn't know. I mean, I'm in sales. I know nothing about this. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't know what we don't know. Right. And you never expect to take the journey. Exactly. Exactly. No one is prepared for a cancer diagnosis. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, wait, what? And I don't want you to have to be, right? (laughs) Yeah. You're not supposed to prep light for it. You're just, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I was, I was blessed. I had a team that basically just took me by the hand and got me through it. Yeah. I I remember when you and I were first talking, when we were talking about the cord, um, you were really, I think you may not have even been like eight weeks out from surgery yet. No, I think and you and me started talking at like four or five weeks out. I was still, I was still pretty, I don't think I even acknowledged that I had cancer yet because it didn't really hit me until February. So I think when we were talking, I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Well, but it had not hit me. Yes. And you were like, when can I start exercising? Why can I start exercising? I need to start exercising. And I was like, well, <laughs> how about you get your arm working for Sherry? And I was like, but, but, Slow but. down. <laughs> I was ready. If you talk to my plastic surgeon, I was ready on week two. Like, can I go for a run? He was like, no, you ding dong. <laughs> and his nurse would walk in. She's like, you didn't run, did you? No, you didn't lift weights, did you? No. Okay, Sherry, we'll get you back. <laughs> Well, but, what we don't you know. realize up front is the, if we don't take the time 
like then we can set ourselves back. Yeah. And I like that that I didn't set myself back. But if you talk to my husband, he'll tell you I didn't take the time. Like that's his thing. He's like, you did not slow down enough. And my coworkers say the same thing. And I'm like, well. Well, and that's actually the the last thing that I want to talk about because I remember because we did talk quite a bit through that, those like kind of early days. Um, and kind of through that time where you had that realization. And yeah. I remember I think we talked the day I had the realization. I think I called you and went, oh my God. Yes. And like you were like, oh, I never like I just did the thing and I didn't stop. And I think that was your husband's thing. Like he was like, um, could we take a break here and like acknowledge what's happening where you and I are of the school of like, yeah, there's a thing happening and we're just going to do the thing. And, and you were like, (laughs) Oh my God, I did a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I I should have slowed down. I did call you. I was like, uh, you know what I just did? And you're like, yeah, Sherry. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I am not. A slow down kind of girl. I am a let's just, you know, I, I still remember the de- December 6th and, and the doctor called and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And she's like, no, 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 Sherry, you have cancer. And I'm like, I get it. What are we doing about it? She was like, I think I heard her say, oi. <laughs> she's like, okay, you're going to go. I, I said, I already have an appointment because so when I went in for my biopsy, my gynecologist had said to me, that's definitely something. So whether it's cancer or not, it's got to come out. So I want you to go see a specialist. So I had already had, like, I got diagnosed on the sixth and I was in on the ninth because I already had the appointment set. So I was just like, okay, well, who's going to tell me what to do? And she's like, well, how about you just take a deep breath? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. My diagnosis process was a little bit slower. So I was like, I pretty much was knew where it was going from the beginning, but I had a little bit more time. I still say to this day, I was too, I don't want to say dumb, but just didn't have a clue. So like I even went into surgery, just like, whatever, let's just get this done. Do I get to go home today? Like, you know. And in fact, it's funny, we were talking about my cancer over the weekend, my husband and my two boys, and my oldest son, who's 20, he was, he was at the house because he was supposed to be meeting me for lunch. And I come in the house and I go upstairs because I was at work when the call came in. And I walk upstairs, I looked at my husband, I'm like, just so you know, it is cancer, we'll deal with it. I'm going to lunch. Bye. And my son went, you have what? I'm like, I have cancer. Now, thankfully, we were going to meet his godmother who had 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 cancer 15 years ago, breast cancer. But yeah, I was like, we're going lunch. And he's like, mom, we're doing what? I'm like, lunch, let's go. Like, just didn't. (laughs) I was clueless. It was probably a good thing. Well, and you made the comment earlier about our age, right? And Right. We're considered so young and it's considered so not normal. And I'm saying not normal with air quotes right now. Yeah, and I really so do normal. think in 10 years, we're going to see that number skew down. Yeah, I think so. And we're I gonna too many see that our age to have it. Yeah. We're going to see that it's so much more normal than anyone really 
knows right now. Right. And that's just... And everybody's different. And some people's, maybe they can be clueless through the whole thing. I I will say I didn't understand the difference of them and still learning, but didn't realize until I went for my one year checkup and they said, I said, oh, four more years to go. And she's like, oh, no, girlfriend, you're with me for a very long time. And I'm like, what? And she's like, your type doesn't allow you to quit here at four. And I was like, well, like, I could I'm with you. <laughs> well, and I kind of actually love that about my doctors. And I've said that to other survivors, like, does it matter if you don't like, yeah. I'm cool with seeing them forever. Like I'm cool well, with going in once of- a year and having them go, yep, you're good. <laughs> But as my husband said, I came home and I was like, man, I thought I was done in five. I'm not. I pretty much get a lifetime check with him. He goes, seriously, are you upset? I'm like, no, but, you know, and I'm not sure, you know, my oncologist has been honest with me. She's like, because of the type you had, you may not be done with meds in five years. We may, depending on where menopause is and all that, it's going to adjust for me because I still have another side that it could come back on. Yeah. Well, and there's new research. There are new tests and new benchmarks where they can, for the type that you have, they can do those newer tests and say, oh, staying on, it gives you this benefit. And right. Or eh, it's not really, it's not not going to give give you anything. So it's kind of like if you think 15 years ago, I probably would have either had radiation or chemo because of the type I had. But because my ANCA score was only seven, it was now your reoccurrence rate is pretty low, Sherry. Right. Well, and your staging was early, right? I think that's another difference that we're going to see in five, 10 years. We're going to see like the stage of the diagnosis is coming down. So while we might be skewing younger, we're also seeing earlier earlier stages. I, yeah. And I like that. One time I really liked having small chests because I could, I mean, it was like, oh, hmm. (laughs) yeah, for sure. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to get this on the, on the calendar. I know it only took us a year, right? (laughs) <laughs> and and so much more learning has happened in the year, right? Since we right. were originally going to have this conversation. So yeah, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. So I am on a mission to interview new guests every week to bring more connection and share more stories of cancer survivors, caregivers, and support organizations. So if that might be you, connect with me in my Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. You can also connect with Sherry there and other past guests. You also have the option to connect with me directly for a coffee chat. Um, You can find the link to schedule a coffee chat with me in the show notes or in the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. Knowing that there are others with similar experiences helps us know that we're not alone because surviving really is just the beginning. That concludes our episode for today. Thanks for listening and have a great week.